Well, it is recording in progress as we are starting out the old school podcast dealing with uh, contemporary education issues and possible answers therein. And now we're setting out to uh, delve into a new topic as we do every Saturday, more or less, sometimes Sunday, sometimes Monday. It really depends on what else is going on. But I am here with Dr. Stephen Bourgeois. I'm Mr. Ross Miller. And good morning, Dr. Bourgeois. Hello, Mr. Miller. I'm recording on. It's not going to say off later, is it? I don't know. It's, a new it's, it's, just a, it, it's, a, it's like something out of, uh, you know, 2001. You know, just like how we started recording. You know, it's a kind of that same type of voice. It's probably to alert your your fellow Zoomers, I guess, now that their every word is being recorded. They probably got lawsuits happening because of this. <laughs> Some guy naked from the waist down or <laughs> something on. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's going on in Zoom sessions nowadays, but uh, let's turn a quick corner on that one here, Miller. Well, I'm just curious about the voice though, because it was a very for those of you who are in our listening audience, um, if you've done Zoom lately, there seems to be uh, some sort of announcement. Whereas before you just clicked record and then it recorded, now it comes with this message. Why do you think they had that tone? Where recording, now in session. Sure they, Why, tested well, they tested it to make sure it gets people's attention. Um, but I, I don't like it. And I'm not, I refuse to uh, delete it because then I have to download the, the podcast twice and we're cutting and we don't like that we're purists about that um but that's well, not i just imagine problem. some i just imagine some sort of room where the the people at zoom are in and we they got like a, a group of 30 and 40 year olds what did you like about that voice oh, i thought it was kind of soothing it, it, it kind of made me feel comfortable okay what did you not like about the voice and so they have to go through all this for every di- different voice that they have well um speaking of liking things i I've been worried for a long time because we've been saying that the, the Germans hate us. I mean, we have a really low rating on, you know, the, but I, I, you know, I stuck at 2.5. Well, then today I looked and there's one lone uh, listener in, in the UK. So that's new. So um, we have two in Germany and one in the UK, but here, here's where I came to my conclusion for Germany. It says 2.11. And for UK, 1.05, United States, 96.84. So that's not a, we're not, I'm not looking at a review. I'm looking at representation percentage. Most of our listeners are from the United States. So there's no qualitative number. As you would that. imagine. Okay. Yeah. So the Germans like us. Um, or at least a couple do. Yeah. There's there's no reason to say they didn't. I mean, I mean, there there is no function here on like or dislike, which I like. That's good. I'm curious though about the Brit. The single Brit? Yeah. I assume it's one guy. It's probably a friend of yours that you called up in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, if it's like having a website, you start pulling in people from like the Ukraine. I think there's there's reasons to be suspicious. <laughs> or Belarus or something like that. I think there's a reason to, to, to have doubts that perhaps, you know, all the listeners are not really all your listeners. So. You never really know, do you? Uh, <laughs> we well, could be talking to people. We could be talking to bots. <laughs> oh boy! Um, oh well. Well, uh, speaking of, you never know. Um, you never know. 
you, you never know about teachers either. Um, right. <laughs> and I'm thinking back, I mean, you and I have interviewed teachers before. Um, you do it regularly uh, as a department head. Sure. Um, but I, you know, just in real general terms, you know, I, I think I know good teaching when I see it. Um, that's, that's one of my areas that I really focus on. But from the interview process, uh, I get I get it right about fifty percent of the time, and I get it wrong about fifty percent of the time. And I wanted to find out your experience doing that. What is your hit rate? I guess, and then also what are, what are what are we looking for? And is this process scientific? Is it you know why doesn't it work or why does it work? Well, I certainly have, as you have, I've had my misses, you know. So, but. Uh, but you know, I, I think part of the I think part of the issue when you start out to when you start out to uh, advertise a gig, you're already you've already cut your potential audience by a fair share because it's only going to be open to those who bother to check your particular website, your particular district's HR website, looked at the job board, what have you. Okay, so even the people in the general area unless they're checking every single district's HR job board postings, you've already minimized to a degree the kind of folks that you're going to get. Okay. Then there are a couple of hoops that you jump through. And this is at least in Texas. I don't know if this is the way it is uh, throughout the country, but in Texas, one of the things that you have to do, well, you, or you first, you used to have to do a, um, a survey, a survey that created specifically by a bunch of pinheads in Denver or someplace like I forget where the survey came from. But and the idea is that based upon how they answered the questions, these were either high risk or low risk or medium risk or whatever the case may be. And it could be a risk based on a bunch of things. Either one, um, they're borderline criminals. Two, they're not terribly flexible. Three, you know, they may not have the right um, the may not have the right temperament for the job. There could be a, a couple of different reasons why they might get red flagged. So it's a, and, it's, a it's a scaled survey with technically right answers that the candidate is trying to guess. Right. Okay. And there are different questions that you get later that are designed to verify what you said in an earlier question, but not necessarily the same kind of question. So they'll, they'll hit you in a couple of different ways on the same general idea to see whether you are paying attention, I guess, you know, or whether you are intellectually consistent as you take this survey. Okay. Can you, can you re remember, I, I mean, I can remember one question because I've, I've been on a few interviews in my day and, and one of those was, um, do you want students to learn or be happy. <laughs> what do you What do you do with that? Um, and 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 there's no nuance in that. You can't say, well, you know, learning, you know, it should make them happy intrinsically, and go into all the motivation. <laughs> I know a lot about this, but I have to say, I want them to be happy. Or wait a minute, I want. So it's a flip of a coin, and you leave those things thinking, did I just totally blow my whole future because I guessed wrong? Well, I mean, it's it's, a, it's not unlike, um, it's not unlike you know, uh, 
standardized tests for like third graders. You got some very crafty adults that come together and create very nuanced questions or lack of nuance in the case of the teacher surveys. And it seems that this, the, the survey works if you got them. And the survey works if you can eliminate people from the pool. But the problem is, is that you don't have a very big pool to begin with if you're like a typical district. Now, there's some districts that got tons of money and everyone wants to work in those particular districts. And I, I imagine they might have a tick more uh, number of, of applicants than I do. But, you know, you do the survey, you either sink your chances or you don't. Uh, then my district has the people do a video response to a group of questions. And the questions are just as inane as the questions that we have to ask, because now if the candidate gets to the actual meeting room, the actual interview room, there are two sets of questions that are typically asked. One set of questions are from the, the administration point of view. Tell me about a time where you overcame a challenge, you know, something along those. It's about that vacuous. This is a live interview with yes. the person on the other end reading from a script. Right. Okay. Um, and it's predictable. And because it's predictable, colleges prep their teacher applicants to respond to those particular kind of questions in the right way, quote unquote, right way. Then there might be, at least in my case, there is then district or rather, excuse me, subject oriented questions. How do you approach this kind of historical concept? How do you, you know, what have you? What I spend a lot of time doing is asking them or thinking of questions that they don't expect. You know, because to me, the whole interview process is not interesting. Because the administration is asking standard questions, the likes of which the applicant already knows what the question will be, and they are they they have therefore already crafted an answer that will be acceptable to uh, the administration. And while I might start with a typical question with regards to social studies, I will also I also prefer to throw in curveballs, just random questions just to see how they will respond or give us an example. What's a random question. Well, a random question is what are you reading right now? Well, you know, and it is that, and that may or may not necessarily be indicative of anything, but it might suggest how they might, uh, or how they on a daily basis kind of, you know, where is it, what is their interest? What is their level of interest in the subject organically? Are they reading about it or not? Also, I might say, I might say if, uh, you know, I'm here for a U.S. history position. I said, okay, if I said you had to teach economics, what would you do? How would you get ready? And I just want to see what is the mindset? Because I would think that a teacher who, one, has a level of interest in their subject, has a, um, has some type of experience, they should be able to fill these kind of questions. I mean, these, the, the, it is only a curveball to people who are not really prepared for having an interview or talking about things. But I also truly want to know, you know, what if you were given an assignment that you have no connection to? How would you how would you prepare yourself for it? I'm I'm genuinely curious about that. Well, the there has to be a, a protocol of of similar questions for everybody. That's an equity issue. It's, you know, so there are some legal um, parameters 
meaning there's also a problem there's also a bit of a problem with that now right as far as my, my questions as it relates to the subject it tends to be uh, i have some similar questions but I, I, I might shake i might make make things different depending upon what the what the student what the uh, applicant answers you know so if the applicant uses a bunch of buzzwords i was like can you tell me what you think that word means or that concept what does it mean to you so they must yeah. really love being interviewed by you. That sounds really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but I, I just think that it's a very formulaic, uh, for the sake of equity, it's a very formulaic, not very revealing, you know, crapshoot as to what you end up getting, you know, depending upon whether you accept the applicant or not. And it comes down to kind of, really kind of comes down to an innate sense of what you have of the person. Now I have, I think I have a good, we've talked about this before. When you and I have been in an interview room, there are people that strike me right away as either being good and worth listening to and considering. And those, and I will shut off, I will shut off immediately. As soon as like the first words out of someone's mouth, and I think that that's what you have. That's the, really the only thing you have that you can trust is how you tend to evaluate people. The, the question with that whole process is, you know, are you going to get it wrong? You know, which, which is always oh, yeah. a, a worry, but, but we're, I mean, I think, you know, going with a hunch based upon you're kind of saying, do I want to, work with this person for the next three or four or five years? Are they going to grade on me? So it's a personality thing. Um, what is it that makes um, somebody successful? I'm going to answer that first. Um, and I think the, you know, this applies to teachers. It applies to any type of job, but um, do they show up on time? Do they call in absent a lot? Uh, those are like flags for their general commitment. Uh, do they have work ethic? Um, can they, do the job and 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 are they you know, able to you know i hate the word self-start but do they need to be pushed to do anything or do they do it on their own um i mean i think you know i've, I've spoken to business leaders and, they, and that's what they're looking for i think it's the same thing for a teacher but will that come out in the in the typical interview that you have you know some, let's stick to work ethic specifically and attendance is there any way to tease that out I mean, I think the only way you can kind of judge that, and it's not even a correct, accurate judge, is just looking at, and again, this is maybe a jump to a conclusion. It's not fair, but you look at how long they stuck around at previous positions mm -hmm. and to whatever degree you're able to get recommendations from either their current or most recent bosses. That's the only thing, that's really the only thing you have to lean on as far as those kinds of evaluations because all you know otherwise you just have to wait till you're till you're in it and then you're just like well that that didn't turn out well this guy's absent a lot or yeah. she calls in sick a lot or so or whatever so a, a recommendation um you know the person recommending has some legal uh, concerns also they, they can't give a bad recommendation for the most part um, they're, they're, and so the expectation is that everybody gives a pretty high uh, rating um, for everyone. Um, but or they cannot get, or they cannot give a recommendation. Right. 
but you mentioned looking at the resume. I think that's that's wise. I mean, usually there's a resume in front of you, and you notice, oh, the last three years they've had four schools. Right. Um, but then the interview becomes, you know, you you ask that now. I've noticed you've had four schools in three years. <laughs> What's going on, man? And uh, but then they answer, and that becomes a distraction because you're getting things that 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 really that time that eats up about it. A half half of the interview, uh, and then we sometimes forget that. But that red mm-hmm. flag should be more than a red flag. It should be well, um, go work someplace else for number five. You know, or you just don't call that person in for an interview. I mean, I think I think in a, that sounds a bit unfair. But I mean, we're looking at you're looking at a bunch of, uh, and in some cases, not necessarily a bunch of resumes. And somebody's got, you know, four schools in three years. They're like, eh, let's go see who else we got, you know, just because it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it may be all legitimately explained, but it's a problem that the applicant has to overcome. Well, the the people in the interview often, I mean, there are different ways. And first of all, people can, they don't necessarily have to apply be searching on the, the district website. I mean, for, for some, but some mm. are part of consortiums where they have right. multiple and then and people can just throw out a lot of um, applications. Um, but but um, the actual interview itself doesn't necessarily start at the campus. It can. It depends on the mm. size of the school and the district. But sometimes there's a, a screening phase, you know, at HR where you talk to the HR director or somebody there and they hand on a platter what they consider to be three or five good candidates for the principal. And that sounds good in, in yeah. practice, but I think what you said is, is, is true that it's difficult, you know, to, to get good candidates enough to, that you can actually interview five people for a position. And they're all qualified. All right. And I think it's also important about who you have in the room, you know, in some districts where I have taught the, the department chair is not a part of the process. And I don't know. I don't understand that. Yeah. So let's um, let's, let's rethink it. You know, because I, I I think you're right that the there's often a vice principal. You know, some you know, maybe the the head principal, depending on the the size. Um, maybe a department head, but but often it's a one-on-one interview. Um, bring other teachers. I mean, we've been in that where there's like a circle with about eight teachers, you know, peppering somebody with, with questions. Right. Uh, I know uh, uh, one person I, that went through that is still, it's still a little bit jittery <laughs> today. It's like <laughs> 10 years later, getting all these questions. Yeah. And I, th- I think it, he, you know, people actually started asking math questions about math itself. You know, <laughs> how do you solve this problem? What, what's X? Um, but, but anyway, what, what if we rethought it a little bit, um, I mean, we've talked about teachers on there. You know, is it appropriate for students, for parents, for community members? Um, I don't know. What, what makes sense that people haven't thought of? Because we need to solve this. It's clearly not working as well as it could. Well, I think the di- challenge is, is that what might make a better interview process might also make a more limiting process as far as who decides to go through that gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Because you would think if you're going, if you're interviewing for a position, it would be kind of interesting to have the teaching applicant create a lesson plan and then have the interview board 
observe that teacher do that lesson plan. Now, uh, there's problems with that, of course. You know, what teacher is going to give up an hour or an hour and a half of their time to allow someone, or maybe not that long, but just however long the lesson is, you know, what teacher is going to sacrifice that time with their students? What group of students are going to buy into it? I mean, I think most kids might buy into it just because they think it's fun. Yeah, you know, we can, um, you know, we're part of the process. I mean, they may or may not take it seriously. I don't know. But uh, I would think that part of it has to do with how a person actually is in front of the kids. And even if the kids don't deal with it well, that's, that would be a great test of how, of what kind of material you have applying for your school. I like that because, you know, I've had little groups of, of students who are maybe in summer school uh, and then they bring in candidates and they, it, it's essentially a, a dog and pony show, very much like when you're being observed in your classroom. So mm. anybody can do that. If they can't execute that, they're, you know, then they shouldn't even be applying. Right. But, but you know, having a casual conversation with, with a couple of students and, and watching that interaction would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, in essence, the, the students could could lead a conversation. I mean, call it an interview, but, but maybe make it intentionally more informal. Mm-hmm. Um, that that might help uh, to see them around students and see if they're comfortable. Um, but there are so many other things uh, to tease out in a very short time. I mean, interviews don't usually last a full hour, even. Mm-hmm. And, and and so, how do you know how organized the the teacher is? Are they going to turn in their grades on time? Are they going to respond to parent emails? Um, as an administrator, I often would evaluate teachers based upon my inbox and how many complaints from parents specifically you right. get. Um, the other way to, to evaluate a teacher is, is the parking lot <laughs> when they arrive <laughs> uh, and when they leave. And, and, that, and that seems pretty calculated, but, but, you know, typically the better teachers are there well before the students arrive and, and they certainly don't arrive after. And we've seen that too, <laughs> where they can yes. go through a back door and um, the kids have kind of started class on their own or whatever they would call it. I think, um, I think the thing is the kind of things you're talking about right now are not necessarily, well, from, from the point of view of the department chair, you know, it is not, perhaps the first things they would think about as a means of evaluating a teacher, you know, do they turn in their lesson plans on, you know, it's just not, I don't know. That's more of an administrative kind of question. Now, if they're frequently absent, that's certainly a concern of the department chair or, you know, something along those lines, but those are also the things that you have a least amount of knowledge of going into it. And so therefore the decision tends to be based on something else. So I wonder about a, a trial period because I think it takes, I mean, imagine these, these individuals are hired. It doesn't take that long, you know, to know no. if they're going to stick or not. And there are, you know, cer- certain things you, you gather by, I mean, just walking into a classroom or, or seeing how they conduct themselves. Uh, but maybe that, you know, having sort of a, a semester where this is, we're not giving you a full contract yet. We're giving you a, provisional one and then if we are comfortable we'll we'll sign you on you know it'd be interesting so typically 
teaching students have to do a semester or close to a semester of student teaching. Right. So student teachers have to apply to high schools to do their student teaching there with the assumption that if the student teaching goes well, they could get a job there. And so the student teaching experience becomes a de facto long-term interviewing process. Now, there's a lot of problems with that, but I'm just thinking you, you combine something that already exists of that quasi kind of nature, and then you add it to the demands and needs that a school has. You know, I mean, I don't know how many, how many, how many, how many students at a typical university is set on any given semester to do their student teaching. Are we talking about five, 10, or is it more than that? I don't know. It, it, it's uh, the, the way to best do it is perhaps the most impractical way and something that no school, I think, would consider on its face. Well, the the people who are, you know, the, these student teachers, uh, I think that would be ideal, you know, if there's an opening even, you know, in, in that in that area, that specific school or within the, the district. Um, but I, I'm still not convinced we have a, a real good way to identify um, a, a teacher in, 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 a, in a, as you said, kind of a scripted uh, conversation that's by nature awkward. Um, they, they walk in and you, you have a little icebreaker and they sit down and you're just wondering what you're going to ask them and they kind of know already. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little bit of a dance, um, and then they leave, and you say, "Well, we'll get back to you," and uh, they say thank you, and then they may write, write a little email to the principal thanking them for for that, and uh, a friendly reminder after a week, "Hey, have you made a decision yet?" Uh, and if they annoy too much, you can you can definitely tell them, "No, we're not going with you because you're annoying." I don't know. <laughs> but the, the thing is, I think that what teaching faces and trying to hire the right people is probably not that dissimilar from what any other organization faces when taking on new people, because ultimately it's a crapshoot. And ultimately you're dealing with kind of a gut reaction. I'm not sure there, I mean, maybe there are some industries and there's some organizations that are able to do it in such a way that they are 100% sure before offering someone a job. But I would imagine that most organizations do have a certain level of uncertainty going into it. You know, they can depend upon their process. They can depend upon their own ability to evaluate an individual. But I think on the whole, I think most places in the end are taking a chance. Uh, and maybe and maybe by being willing to take a chance, somebody who ordinarily would not have gotten a chance to do a job gets a chance to do that and maybe they do well i don't know i it's uh i'm kind of torn about how exactly to do the process well um we've been talking a lot about teachers who don't work um that look good on paper uh but we've seen the opposite where they you know they don't interview very well you're really not sure and then they just knock it out of the park and you think wow what i didn't really i mean that that's just as true as the other side of it right um there's a, a large organization, I don't want to name names, but I, I've read an article course. recently um, that they expect to 
in each department to fire a certain number of employees, you know, every year is a percentage that's a, and the managers are actually evaluated based upon uh, how close they are to that target. Um, and, and so the, the problem <laughs> is sometimes they have, their employees are too good and they're actually not firing enough people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the practice and is that they actually hire to fire. <laughs> so they're, they, they pick a few candidates that, you know, they know aren't going to stick to begin with. Right. Um, and sure enough, they, they happen to fire them. And then they get a nice bonus because they hit their, their target. Um, I don't know what that means for our, our conversation. Um, but, but maybe the, the point is training, you know, you, you hire somebody with potential, but put, put more time in, into the training and making them stick. Um, there, there's a, a quote that nobody knows where it comes from, that you can't fire your way to Finland. Um, and, and so we, we all love Finnish schools and they're at the top of, of the pyramid. And, and just by firing teachers, suddenly you may, may not get as good a teacher when you replace somebody. Right. Well, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. I don't I don't know. But I think I think there is a I think there is a responsibility. If you're going to hire somebody, you have to provide a means by which one to evaluate what you did, who you brought into the building, but then also train if there is if that teacher is found to be lacking or wanting in something as far as ability or skill sets or whatever the case may be. And you could end up getting the exact thing that you want in the end. And maybe in the end, therefore it's all right. You know, but I think that that, that ha- that's kind of like hand in hand with the interview process that if you end up hiring somebody, if it happens to be a gamble, then you certainly have a responsibility, not just to yourself, but I think you have a responsibility to the person that you just threw into a classroom to make sure that they are equipped for the job. You know, and there's a bunch of different ways that teachers are not equipped for the job, intellectually, content-wise, temperament. um, There's just so many different ways that they could sink a teacher. And I I think that part of the responsibility does come to the department chair, people around them, to make sure that that person has the support they need and they have the best chance of being successful. Well, a lot of people have expected this to be doom and gloom. A lot of teachers retiring now based upon current events or uh, just leaving the profession. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I mean, you you talked about your own department and you're not necessarily hiring anybody, you know, which is quite impressive. No, no turnover at all. Um, it's a first yeah. for me. I mean, since I've been department chair, this is the first year, knock on wood, that something must happen over the summer. But this will be the first year I've not had to hire somebody uh, to fill a position. Well, I think there's there's a lot of unknowns, you know, and so you don't. And the rule on the street is that you don't uh, leave a position until you have another one. And certainly and, a wise way to go about it. Yeah, but the the market of you know for for jobs is so unknown right now that I, I think a lot of people are going to stay put more than we think and. The idea of retirement, it sounds good until you add up all the numbers and you think, well, I don't know. Let's 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 hold off another year on that and build up the the nest egg a little bit. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that were making uh, prognostications 
you know, in the lead up to education and the era of COVID. There's a lot of people that were making prognostications about how this was going to happen, that was going to happen. And invariably, no, no one was making predictions of something that was going to turn out great. No one gets paid for making positive, <laughs> positive predictions, you know, but so they, they end up making these predictions to suggest teachers are going to be leaving in droves and masses and no one's going to be coming in to interview. And, and at least at this point in my small little world, that does not seem to be the case, you know? So it's, um, it is fascinating to see what to make of it and, and how, since nothing really has changed then it doesn't require a, a necessary change on how to adjust to it because there's no adjustment to make. And you're still dealing with the same scenario you were dealing with two years ago. So I think from a kind of, from my, my perspective, if I had to interview somebody, uh, I could, I could imagine I'm going to have applicants, you know, and I'm going to have people from which to choose. And I'm going to be faced with the same dilemmas that we've just spent the last 30 minutes or so talking about. Well, I hope we've been helped a little bit. I, I don't expect that school principals are taking notes right now saying, oh, I never thought about asking that. Let's, <laughs> um, let's, let's mix it up a little bit. Um, so, so I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned, you know, that, that I, <clears throat> I wouldn't do anything different at this point than I've always done. I think it's just a, a, a routine in a way because mm-hmm. it, you know, if you say, and we both have said this, that it's kind of a crapshoot, we're, we're not sure. Um, that, that's the tough part, but, but you know it very quickly. And I think everybody knows that the ones that are, are, are really great. Well, here's something to consider. On what grounds were your biggest mistakes on hiring? What did you detect from the individual that you misread? Um, I, I, I often was, um, persuaded <clears throat> by, you know, personal charm and, and if they have interests that align with mine. So I will have all these great conversations and, you know, so, and, and didn't ask enough about, you know, things that get teachers fired, you know, mainly classroom mm-hmm. management, how they handle, um, sensitive subjects, you know, are they able to, manage student discipline, things that are nuts and bolts. And I, I, I went a little content heavy. I think that was, that was where I went wrong. How about you? Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, I was, I would, uh, I was going to, whoops. I was going to suggest that um, you kind of give yourself a little bit of a break because I think we all succumb to uh, charm. And I think that goes a long way. It's the reason why charming people tend to be successful because they can charm folks. So I think charm, but I also think, you know, uh, along the same lines, people who can speak the language of your discipline, you know, it, you, and what, what happens is that sometimes you get suckered into thinking that, that that equates to a knowledge or an interest or an ability just because someone can speak the language and that can be problematic. Um, sometimes energy fools people. You know, I'm not talking about like manic energy, but I'm talking about a good positive energy within the uh, within the interview room, especially in contrast to other people who might be more timid or nervous in an interview room. I think sometimes energy, positive energy can be a allure that people fall for and that I have fallen for in the past. So, I, you know, I, I would 
I would definitely kind of go along with what you have said, but also suggest that, you know, it's a little bit like the fake hustle guy, you know, um, you know, the fake hustle guy in football, the person who's running around a lot, but never really seems to accomplish much, you know, <laughs> because in the interview, all you see is the initial hustle. You don't see the end result though. And that's the problem. You don't see that until you actually are the individual and you're thinking to yourself, damn it, that's a fake hustle guy. You know, it's, and it's just, it's just something you have to deal with. Fake hustle again. Damn. Yes. <laughs> How do you run all that way and not accomplish anything? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it is remarkable, you know, that a teacher can walk into a class of strangers and and turn them into their own in a very short time and and do all that. And it's, you know, I, I would say, it's a gift uh, that may res- resist measurement you know, to try to assess that in a, in a in a short time. Um, there is a danger of getting too clever. That's right. You outthink yourselves, as we often do around here. Mm-hmm. but we learn we live and we learn and then you know and you hope you're better equipped the next time somebody comes down the pike well i know we're better equipped because um we decided that the germans like us again Um, (laughs) i was really concerned about that i lost sleep over it my faith in the germans have been restored (laughs) yeah um so the Germans are probably sitting there going, God, they're really focused way too much on this thing. <laughs> <Let it go. laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's an oddity that every episode we talk about Germans. I think it's it, um, it's gonna be a running bit. If we keep this thing going for several years, it'll be something we still talk about on a probably regular basis. It is, and 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 we like the Finns, and I don't think they know who the hell we are, but that's okay. That they could that could be saying something there too. I mean, <laughs> unless you get some spammers or bots out of Finland, you know. So who knows? But well, uh, let's let's call it a day. I don't think it's going to say recording over. That would really shock me. I think I'm just going to hit the button and it'll, it'll be done. That's it. All right. Well, in in anticipation of what will or may not happen, I will say, have a great weekend, Herr Doctor Bourgeois. Um, Herr Miller, do the same, and thank you all.